business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Jeff Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio on the CBS and Play It Network. And I am excited today because we have a gentleman. His name is Tariq Farid, and he is the founder and the CEO of Edible Arrangements. Now, you've probably received at some point a gift from somebody, and it was filled with not a bouquet of flowers, but a bouquet of fruit. I know the first time I received it, I thought, wow, this is really cool. And not only that, it tasted great. And I didn't have to water it, which is, which is my favorite thing. So he, has, uh, a, he started this company about 16 years ago, and uh, he's grown this to about 1,200 franchisees. And he's going to tell us all about us and all about how he grew this business. And most importantly, uh, how customer service plays a major role in this. All of you know that I am a customer service and experience expert. And that's why I'm especially excited to have Tarek on the show today, because we're really going to focus on more about service than we are about anything else today. Tarek, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Chef. It's an honor to be here. So give us a quick little background on yourself. I mean, you grew up, uh, you actually were born in Pakistan, and you moved to the U.S. when you were 11. What's the background there? And, and tell us how you all got started. Yeah, so uh, the ultimate American dream, you know. So uh, it showed up here with nothing. My father was a machinist, worked at Burger King, and uh, saw an ad in the paper for a flower shop. Bought a flower shop in 1986 when I was 17 years old. Um, uh, you know, the... Started working in and knew nothing about the flower business and built it to two or three stores. And that's kind of the genesis of how we got into edible because design and small business was uh, kind of in the blood from the beginning and, and you know, school of hard knocks. So 1999 started edible arrangements. Before that, I dabbled in POS systems for the floral industry. And so uh, it, w- it was a perfect coming together when uh, Edible Arrangements was started. Had lots of experience since I was young uh, working in the floral industry, knew about technology, convergence of all these things to build Edible Arrangements. So it's, um, it's, it's truly a dream come true. I never really ever, ever imagined that I would be able to accomplish this. And, uh, uh, it, it, you know, we built it one bouquet at a time. One bouquet and one edible bouquet at a time. Edible arrangements bouquet at a time. Right. So, uh, interesting. You got into the, the floral business, and this was your father who got into it originally? No, my father saw an ad in the paper, and uh, I used to work at a flower shop. I used to deliver papers, and a, a gentleman by the name of Charlie Ferricelli owned a flower shop called Ferricelli's in West Haven, Connecticut. And... Um, I, you know, I was tired of uh, being in the cold, and I asked him, can I water plants and do things? And he's like, yeah, come in, kid. Come in in the afternoons and help out. And I just watched and learned about the floral industry. When I was 17, my father saw an ad in the paper for a flower shop for sale for $6,000, borrowed money from two of the most generous people in the world, Bill and Denise Holtberg, our neighbors. They, my father went to them and said, my son, he's 17. There's a flower shop for sale for about $6,000. Can we borrow six thousand? And for my to my surprise and to my amazement and thankfulness to this day, Bill said, "Sure, yeah, here's a seventeen-year-old. Wow. Here's six thousand dollars. Seventeen years. That that's a lot of of uh, I got a, a lot of responsibility for you as a seventeen-year-old. But how about the risk, and, or or even more important, the confidence that they had in you? Yeah, just amazing people. You know, it's a. I am the results of many people's generosity, and that that is. It, it starts with Charlie Ferricelli. It starts with Bill Holtberg. 
where they kind of just believe. And I asked Bill to this day, like, why? He goes, you know, I, I, you know, you seem like a good kid, and I, th- I thought you, <laughs> you seem like off. you seem like a good <laughs> kid. Here's six thousand dollars. Go, go start a business. That's right. Yeah, That's I right. hope you pay yeah. me back. And obviously, you did. And uh, you're... I paid him back within a few months. Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. And so at 17, were you still in high school or had you just got out, gotten I was, out of it? I was, in, I was in high school. So um, in the beginning, I would drop my mom off uh, early in the morning to just watch the store for me. And then I would go off to high school, get out of high school around 1 o'clock, rush back to the store, make the arrangements, deliver the arrangements, go take care of the customers. The first, uh, you know, uh, one of the best lessons I learned was from my mother at the beginning where uh, you know, in the first few weeks, we would make $70 a day. And, I, you know, I'd be open seven days a week and just kind of working hard because I was going to school. Uh, there weren't really any customer service and everything. And I would just work very hard on trying to grow the business. And it slowly started to grow. You know, one wedding order would come in. Th- these things would come in. And, uh, the, you know, my mother was the one who originally taught me that, you know, you have to give amazing. You know, like, look, these people, they come to your store. They don't know you. They come and they want to leave money behind. So, honey, look look at these amazing people that want to come by and buy stuff from you. And you don't know anything about it, so be thankful. And always take care of them. And uh, so that kind of started the part about just customer service is what defined it. I mean, you know, if somebody called you at 6 p.m. and said, hey, I forgot my anniversary. What can you do? It's like, no problem. I'll be right there. I'll make something. And you went out of your way to take care of that customer. And that and customer in return told 10 people about it and took care of you, including if a wedding came up in the family, they said, I know who to go to. We're going to go to, uh, you know, Tarek and actually have them design everything. So it's a, it was a, because you didn't have any money back then. You know, you paid 6000 for the shop. You didn't have any money. All you had was a lot of passion, lots of energy, and uh, just the, the desire to make things and, and not really smart enough to know that there's another way to do it. That's the only way you knew. Wow. Well, this is a great story. You know, my parents taught me about customer service. I used to have a magic show business when I was 12, 13, actually all the way through high school. Um, and I continued to, to do shows through college. But I remember my first magic show that I did was for a birthday party, uh, 16, uh, about 16 kids, six years old. I was only 12 at the time. And when I came home, my mom said, what are you going to do after dinner? And I thought it was go do homework. But no, it was go write a thank you note. And then my dad said, hey, call a week from now and make sure they were happy. And by the way, if they were happy, maybe there was a sibling of this little kid that you did his birthday party. And sure enough, there was. And I got booked for a second one. And then there were parents who were standing in the back. And they would recommend me. And it's kind of the same thing that you did, in a sense. Your parents told you, you know, you need to be more than just nice. You need to be amazing and you need to say thank you and you need to show appreciation and if somebody calls you in the evening because they forgot the anniversary you head over there and you take care of them that's it and you know my i was 17 years old you know so on a saturday morning we had we would have weddings my mother would wake me up at 5 a.m she would push you to say hey people are waiting for you go and they like oh i'll get there why go early she says no go early go take care so it's, it's those little disciplines in the beginning, and after a while, it became a habit. And if it wasn't for my mom, if it wasn't for my father to kind of teach those things, I would have never done it. You know, you, you, you're naturally tend to go towards laziness and everything and, and not really take care of it. But they, you know, my mother used to say that the customer, when he places an order, he leaves a trust with you. And you have to take care of that trust. They're giving you their hard-earned money. You have to deliver, and you have to wow them. And that's where that concept of wow in our system came to. 
that when we started edible, people would say, hey, fruit, you know, fruit isn't really that good in the winter. How do I know it's going to taste great? So we spent a lot of time picking what fruit and we made sure it was good. And I would say that if it does not wow the customer, does not wow the recipient, and you don't get a phone call, people think, wow, what a beautiful thing and what a unique thing. And while we all enjoyed it, if they don't say that, I'll give you your money back. And that kind of came from that part of my mother saying, wow, always wow the customer. Always have them go back saying, this was great. I'll be back. Wow. So, I mean, I love it. You you get it, that customers trust you. Trust is a huge word. Now, I'm going to go back to this customer service angle, and then I want to talk more about how you move from flowers into fruit, and that was must have been an interesting transition. And, and, and again, how do you maintain that quality? But, but here's my question or, or comment about service. Would you agree, and based upon the fact that both of us have something in common, our parents taught us about good customer service, I believe it's all common sense that, unfortunately, it's not always as common as it should be. Definitely. Uh, you know, um, along the way, my first week, I, w- I would do 70 to $80 a day, and there would always be reason I would want to cut things. And, um, you know, the greatest thing that I was taught when it came to taking care of the customer, going above and beyond, that my mother would always find me struggling. And, and you know, she was she was really the mentor. She was the one who was giving me advice. And, and it's, you know, uh, and she worked with me. So the best part was she didn't just give me advice. She was there in the store in the morning. And she would see me struggle sometimes. And I would sit there and make projections of how much sales we want to do. And, so, you know, she'd say, honey, don't run after money. It runs really fast. Go do the right thing. It'll chase you. And, uh, wow. And okay. So I want to make sure. You know, meant, Say so, that again. Say that again. Because this is so not said, only quotable, ever, it's tweetable. <laughs> yeah. So, don't, so she would say, don't, don't run after money. It runs really fast. You'll never catch it. Mm-hmm. But go do the right thing. It will chase you. You know, so and, and it so worked for me that after that, I never worried about money. I always worried about taking care of the customer, going above and beyond. If somebody called and complained and said, hey, I got this wrong, you didn't even ask a question. I used to always say that return money faster than the person actually places the order, though faster than they give it to you. If somebody says, hey, this was wrong, said whatever you would like, I could put the money back in your account. I could give it back to you. I could go deliver something else. And people are fair. Most times at that point, they're like, no, 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 do this. I'll be satisfied with this. It's when you try to give excuses and say, well, we did a good job. Well, we, well the product was really good. Then, no, we messed up. I am so sorry. What, what could we do? And so you learn these things early to worry more about the customer and they leave more money behind. Right, you know, and and they tell ten people about it, and it's a it's a great concept, and uh, you know, anyone who's grasped onto that has been very successful. So here's a pop quiz for you. You didn't expect you're going to get quizzed, but uh, this is a question I ask sometimes of my audiences, uh, and it really came from a, a gentleman, Dr. Ted Levitt, a uh, senior professor at Harvard Business School, who passed away. But he used to ask a question: What is the function of every business? And the answer is, in your eyes, your mind. To take care of the customer. Exactly. For me, it exactly. is really to take care of the customer. Right. Here's yeah. what 9 out of 10 people, if not 99%, will say, it's to make money. And that yeah. is not the function of the business. That is the goal of the business. And Well, that's a byproduct of right. taking care of the customer. Right. And, it, it, you exactly. Know, and, and, and if you do a really good job at taking care of the customer, you get a lot of that byproduct. Yeah. You know, it's a, a lot of it left behind. And, and that what, what Dr. Levitt used to say is, is if the function is to get and keep that customer and take care of that customer, if you confuse the function with the goal, you're not going to reach your goal. All right. So right. 
We're going to take a real short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about how you went from flowers to food and how you maintain the quality, and we want to learn all about the inside secrets, or at least whatever you're willing to share with us, about how you created this amazing company. We are talking to Tariq Farid. My name's Shep Hike, and this is Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. Big news. The new Sprint LTE Plus network is faster than Verizon and AT&T based on analysis of a recent study by Nielsen. And to celebrate, we're inviting you to join Sprint for the biggest offer in U.S. wireless history. Switch to Sprint and save 50% on most Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile rates. Yep, you heard that right. No gimmicks, no tricks. You have Verizon 6 gigs for $60, 30 with Sprint. And if you have 15 gigs for $100 from AT&T, 50 with Sprint. Even if you have T-Mobile's 10 gigs for $80, we'll give it to you for 40 And we won't force you to watch video in low def. Oh, and one more thing. We'll even pay your switching fees up to $650 per line so you can switch to the Sprint LTE Plus network today. Visit a Sprint store at Sprint.com slash save 50%. Offer coverage not available everywhere for discounted phones. Excludes taxes, surcharges, roaming, and premium content. Subject to new line $36 activation fee. Credit valid for day. Plans may not be exact match. See website for eligible plans. Offer end 1716-721818. Exclusions and restrictions apply. Contract by audio. Reward card requires online registration. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here. We're back on Amazing Business Radio. We're talking to uh, Tarek Farid, who is the guy that started Edible Arrangements. And now there are 1,200 locations uh, franchised out. This guy figured out to how to scale uh, what started out as a flower shop, turned into uh, something edible, <laughs> edible arrangements. Uh, and, and he's made a big success out of this. So let's talk about it. Uh, how did you make the transition and why? What did you see? What made you make that shift? I think it was more the opportunity. You know, when we opened our first store, it was a 600-square-foot store uh, in East Haven, Connecticut. And uh, when we sent out the first flyers, um, people were a little hesitant in the beginning, um, not knowing, you know, is it going to be good quality? Is the consistency or the food or the, the taste going to be there? And, you know, we went, we would guarantee that if it's not, you just give us a call and we'll give you your money back. And then it just took off. I mean, one after another, people would call back and say, hey, I usually don't get a thank you. Or I have to call people to say, hey, did you receive this? And people called me and they wanted to find out, where did you get that from? And so as that started to happen, um, we started to plan a second store. I got great advice from a gentleman uh, and I was thinking about growing uh, my store from one to two. And he said, well, hey, when you build your second one, Build it so you can scale it, meaning build it as though someone is um, going to buy it from you and they want to build it somewhere else, uh, California or something, so you can give them that model and put it together. So I spent a lot of time building our second store, documenting everything. In that process of building, somebody came to me and said, hey, I want to buy one of your franchises. And we hadn't thought about franchising yet, so we put together the paperwork real quickly, went and built a store in uh, Boston. And we we are really just the results of customers, you know, you know, actually seeing the product and trying the product. Most of our franchisees were customers. They saw the product. They would come into our store. They would visit, and they would see the whole structure is there. The systems are there. Um, you know that that you know there is a. It's not just being done out of a garage. It's not being done as a hobby. That it's a real business. Um, and then they would ask you, are, are, are you, you know, can you, ha- I want to build one. Can I buy one? And we just started to, I started to build stores because I, 
got that advice, and from the beginning, I put it together as a model that it could be duplicated and replicated. Wow, that's, that's a, a great idea. Do. And I think that's what any anybody in the entrepreneurial side of things, and I realize we have people who are listening that are executives and companies that work for larger companies, but if you're thinking about starting a business, once you start it and it starts to grow, think about it in terms of, uh, I don't want to use the word exit strategy, but what would happen if somebody wanted to buy it? Would they buy it? That's right. Could they buy That's it? That's right. Is I mean, it you replicable? have to turn it into a system. That yep. For two reasons, right, Jeff? One is that you're looking to duplicate it. So when you have when you systematize it, you can replicate it. You can easily say, okay, this is exactly how everything is done. I mean, I, I went from documenting how a floor is laid to how a sign is going to be put up to how the windows will be decorated to what the counter needs to look like, what computer system we will get, everything. And that is just somebody giving me advice to say, hey, as you build your second one, document everything because I have a feeling someone's going to want to buy this from you. And you can literally give them that book and say, here's how it's done. Wow. And that's exactly what we did. We had what's called a new store kit. We called it a new store kit. Like, how do you build a new store? And when, when our third store happened in Boston, we literally took that kit and everything was in it. And that was... That was the start of a franchise company. And, and after that, somebody from Atlanta called. We opened a third store in Atlanta. Then somebody from California called. We opened a store in California. And we used those steps every single time, but everything was systematized. And that I learned being in the flower business of what to do, what not to do. And then we all the things I had learned since I was 17, running a flower business, running a computer company, I put all of that into this. Um, and uh, it was perfect timing with the Internet and everything, and, and it just took off. Right. Now, you just said something that we haven't talked about yet, and that is you said, I was running a computer company. Tell us about that. So back in 1988, uh, once I got into the I, – I, my side hobby is always computers. Um, and uh, my father bought me a Commodore 64 when, you know, I don't know if it was 83 or 84. And just playing with it, I, I fell in love with computers. And uh, 1988, I'm in the flower business. Uh, a lot of things are being done manually. I want to computerize it and decided to computerize it myself. So computerized it and in the process got introduced to a, a company who was looking for someone to sell their software. And I started a side business, a computer company. And how um, old were you at that Northeast. point? Um, I was probably about 21, 22. Okay. So, and, hey, um, and you started and this business when you were 17. You went to college? I did not go to college. Okay. And uh, that's... I went to college. Uh, I went to college for one semester. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great story. I went to college for one semester. My advisor sits me down and says, you keep missing your papers. You keep coming late. What's going on with you? You pay your tuition. Uh, you're here. And I said, well, you know, I get busy. If I get busy one weekend with a lot of weddings and if I get busy with my business and I have to travel, I skip classes. I'm sorry. And he's like, well, you know, so how much money are you making in this business? And, you know, he saw, he saw it as a flower business and I had a computer company. And his name was Michael. And I said, well, Michael, you know, last year I cleared maybe about 150000 and he, you know, he gets kind of angry, and he goes, "You know, I made thirty thousand last year. Go take care of your business. Get the heck out of here." That's funny. So, uh, go focus on your business, and then from there, I mostly focused on my business and uh, grew the business. I started the computer company, opened up a few more shops, and my computer company went from uh, kind of nothing to uh, having clients from Washington D.C. all the way up to Maine. Wow, wow. You know, it's funny, and again, a parallel worlds here. When I was in high school, I was making more than my teachers. And obviously, uh, as yeah. that continued through college. I did go to college, uh, and, and I told my parents I promised I would graduate. I started out at the University of Missouri, and I switched. I stayed in the University of Missouri system, but I switched back to St. Louis because that way I could work. 
And I figured out I could go to school three days a week. I would do back-to-back classes. I would work my tail off. And, you know, the busier I was, the better grades I made, which, by the way, weren't that good of grades, but they were good enough. Uh, Apparently, when I went to school, if you got a D at the University of Missouri, that stood for diploma. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, I, no, I, 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 I kept trying until I kept trying until I did the edible, and then after that, I, I at that time I realized that I have to focus on these businesses. But obviously, like, we're well, but, we're listening to you. You're a very sharp guy. I mean, you started businesses. You're you're very smart. You, you're in, you you you've got it. And there is exceptions to every rule. I'm not saying college is going to make or break somebody, but you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna go into your own business and you're showing success, I mean, hey, who are some of the famous people that dropped out of college right i mean bill gates steve jobs did those guys finish college i don't think so i don't think so so i mean yeah you started and didn't finish and and here you are running a really nice organization all right so here's a big question for you scaling customer service you've got 1200 locations that's uh i'm guessing maybe some people have some multiple locations but you have literally probably well over a thousand franchisees that are trying to live or that you hope are living your brand and your brand is that promise delivered and that is to to wow those customers how do you do that how do you get people that really you know that you aren't there to oversee them all the time so the reason I went the franchising route was for that because I was a small business owner and I always felt that I have to be in my store to give great service. So I wanted owners to be in the stores because I had four stores, uh, you know, in the beginning. And I all, there was always a challenge in trying to get staff to understand. And ours, our business is very um, – there's a sentimental part of it. I mean, you know, people are sending something for an occasion. There's an anniversary. There is a love. There is, you know, all these occasions that they're celebrating that are very special Valentine's Day, Christmas. So I always felt that we had to have customers. And we've been very, very lucky that uh, there are two tiers to our business. One is us in setting the standards and saying this is what the customer service level is. And then you have your franchisee, and they're very, very passionate. These are local business owners, small business owners, and they really care. Now, you do get anomalies here and there where you may have some issues, but the, re- the way you really grow this is that I learned from the beginning that it's all about the training and the systems you put together because the franchisees are going to have turnover. They're going to have tons of staff. So uh, at, we, we have to put together a great training program. Now, with the Internet, we designed a technology. Um, it's actually called Inspire, where you inspire the franchisees, you inspire the customers, uh, customer service reps, the the different staff, and it's a video-based training system that we take every one of our contents that we've created and we turn it into steps. And the person watches the four steps to great customer service, the five steps to doing a successful delivery. And these are your brand standards. And, and you put up the content, and a, as a person gets hired, the franchisee will put them in front of the video and say, well, you got to watch these 17 uh, minutes of videos. you got to watch this. Um, and once they watch it, they at least are close to the standard that you want them to uh, uh, follow and everything. And then beyond that, the, the franchises are out, their local flair to it, uh, their passion to it and everything. So um, there's no magic bullet, but I think it's, it's, it's all based on how good a training system and support you put together for the staff you hire and setting the expectations with them. You know, no one is born with great customer service. I, I, as, as you did and I did, we learned it from someone. So we spend a lot of time teaching and, and reteaching and re uh, you know uh, 
uh, inspiring people, bringing them in and telling them about great stories of customer service, sharing great stories of what somebody did in our system and when a customer writes a card and everything. So it's really the wow factor and we call it to wow you. The concept is that when a person walks into any of our stores, they have to be wowed. And that's the standard that everybody tries to follow. Wow. So th- this is great. And I think I think part of it is you've not just you, – you hope that the franchisee gets the right people and, and hires the right people, but you also probably are vetting that franchisee and making sure that they have the passion and what it takes to make this. Yes? Yes, very much so. We, we spend a – we spend time with them on uh, Discovery. They'll come, and we want them to check us out. We want to check them out. We want to make sure when they get into this. Uh, you know, as you know, in customer service, it doesn't take much to really screw things up. Uh, it takes one event to really mess it up for everyone. So uh, we spend a lot of time. We want people to come into this because it's such a um, it, 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 it's such a, a, a emotional decision for people. People will call you and say, "Hey, it's my 40th anniversary," or "It's, it's a wedding." What do you recommend? So we want people to love what they're doing. We want them to enjoy free. We want them to enjoy customers, doing customer service and taking care of customers. So we spend time vetting them. Then we spend time training them. Uh, we, they spend two weeks with us in Connecticut, and then we spend one week um, you know, out at their store, and then we go back. Right. And what have you turned anybody down? People say, hey, here's my money. I'm ready to go. And you say, you know what? We don't think you're right for us. Those are probably some of the best decisions we made. They're the hardest, but there are times that I personally would sit down with people and say, this is really not for you. And if you met those people a year and a half later or, or they came back to you, some of them will call and say, you know what, you know, we wanted to get into it. We thought it was great. You guys, you refused, but you at least called me, and it was very nice. It was very nice you did that, and you were right. Because, it, you know, business is, business is not easy. You know, a lot of these franchisees and these small business owners, they go through a lot. You know, the, for us on the holidays, we are the last ones to celebrate a holiday. You know, we're working through the holiday. We're the last ones to celebrate a Valentine's Day. My mother always got Mother's Day gifts a week after Mother's Day because we were so busy on Mother's Day. So it's a, it's, it's a different lifestyle uh, but at the same time, if you're good at it and you're passionate about it, you're very successful. Right. And I have good news about uh, giving your mom a Mother's Day gift a week late, and that is everything's on sale. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. We're, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, uh, Tarek is going to share with us even more of his wisdom. My name's Chef Hyken. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. Listen to CBS Sports Radio every weekend for nonstop sports updates and breaking news, including analysis of the hottest topics in sports. CBS Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio. Listen live every weekend on air or online at CBSSportsRadio.com. Introducing Play.it, a podcast network like no other. From award-winning news programming and number one sports brands to entertainment and business leaders, Play.it is delivering storytelling at its best. We're going to be having conversations with newsmakers and culture shapers. I will be talking mostly about fashion and how I've been marketing all my life. Tech, culture, and entrepreneurship. Everything in the world of sports entertainment and wrestling and beyond. Hear what you've been missing at Play.it. Love listening to your favorite stations online? Download the Radio.com app to get on-the-go access to hundreds of HD radio stations, award-winning podcasts, and top entertainment and music articles. Go to apps.radio.com for more information or download today from the iTunes Store or Google Play. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. 
Shep Hyken here. We're back on Amazing Business Radio on the CBS and Play It Network. We are talking with Tariq Farid, who is the guy that started Edible Arrangements. You know we're talking about customer service today. This is probably one of the most important. I mean, the product's great. I mean, it's great. It's it's fruit. You eat it. It tastes delicious. It looks beautiful the way it's arranged. But if you don't deliver it the right way, it doesn't matter. Uh, Tariq, how do you measure uh, customer satisfaction and and whether or not your your customers are happy. I know there's many different ways to do it. This is probably one of the most popular questions I get asked by reporters when the, when I'm interviewed. Is like, how do you measure this? You know, what are the benchmarks? So th- there's always a, a a number. You know, you're never going to have a perfect a, a perfect day or a perfect holiday. You know, th- there are a lot of elements uh, from weather, things beyond our control. We we deal with perishable items, so. First, you have to be prepared that you're going to get complaints. And when you get complaints, it's really how you handle the complaint and how quickly you handle the complaint. So we have a team that's called Edible Concierge. Their job is nothing but to immediately take care of the customer. I used to do this at our stores, that I would always ask my uh, customer service people that if you can take an order, you could give a refund or you could take care of the customer too. If somebody calls you and says, I had an issue, you find out from the customer what they would like us to do. If they say, give me my money back, give them their money back and send them an arrangement as well as an apology. Um, and, uh, you know, whatever we have to do, we have to, the speed is what's very, very important. So we have edible concierge who will reach out. We have an 800 number, one eight seven seven do fruit People reach out to us because we have 1,200 stores. If they can't get through to a store, we want them to call one number. We will take care of the resolving that issue immediately. And then at that point, we'll contact the store and, and, and follow up on it and everything. And then, of course, these days, it's through the web. You know, you give an easy link for people to follow up on an order uh, and to get updates on an order. Um, and, you know, th- so that's that's one. And second is just as as the franchisees are hiring people, making that a priority. I mean, I'm always impressed with the Nordstrom's and a lot of these brands that have just done an amazing job of, um, you know, taking care of the customer if there are issues. So our complaint ratio is, 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 Minute. I mean, it, it's 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 a tiny number. We'll deliver seven hundred thousand orders on a uh, on a Valentine's Day, and maybe have about two thousand incidents where something got late or something. You know, could we couldn't deliver it or um, so. But we take those two thousand as a crisis, three thousand as a crisis, and we want to go and immediately follow up and take care of it and everything because we want. Uh, you know, our our thing is it's celebrating what's good in life. We want to make sure that the customers realize that we're there, whatever they want us to do, we take care of. And you have to have a policy. And so we have solid policies on that, and the policy is always customer-focused. Right. Well, you're fanatical about it. Now, social media probably plays uh, an important part of getting response uh, and and hearing what your customers are saying. I'm sure they're saying some great things. What happens when you hear somebody's not happy, and how long does it take you to respond, and and are you monitoring the social channels? Minutes. I mean, our thing on the social media is that if somebody puts something up, including on my page, I mean, I I have my uh, fan page and I have my Twitter account. A lot of customers will reach out to me. It's literally minutes to forward it to someone and say one of the edible concierge people and say follow up with the customer immediately. The nice thing these days is that we're all connected. Every store goes through a central system so we can look up an order quickly and find out exactly what order they're talking about, what happened to it. Uh, every order status is put in when it gets made, when it gets delivered, if it was unsuccessful. Um, so with that, 
uh, we're able to answer things. We don't have to say, oh, we have to call the store. You know, a long time ago, that we were dependent on having to call the store because we were, you know, the stores were right. uh, not really connected Today, the way they are now. Technology, you know, it's, it's been, it's, it's a great opportunity. It is, it is. So with, you know, the social media, you have to stay on top of it. Um, we have a whole team of people that stay on top of it. As soon as something happens, you know, you, you have to take care of it. And, and you have to own it. You know, you can't make excuses. Uh, and nothing bothers me more than when somebody makes an excuse. This is the customer. You immediately take care of it. And, and then you measure. You know, the, you, know do you, you look at, is there a crisis? I mean, did something go wrong? Now, we went through some really bad winters around Valentine's Day. At that time, you get ahead of it. You know, you call the customers in advance. You let them know. And I'll share a great story with you, with you of why, um, for me, the customer service. I was taught customer service by one of my customers of why majority of your people are just looking to get their product. They're not looking to take advantage of you. A lot of people will say, oh, you know, if we have a policy, they'll try to put a lot of uh, exceptions. There's no exceptions. You know, if a customer calls you and they're not happy, you know, would you like a refund? Would you like us to deliver again? What would you like? You're the king. You tell us. What you, what you would like us to do. And, you know, if you're having a lot of complaints, then something is wrong in your system. Uh, but other than that, you'll have incidents. And if you have that incident, take care of it immediately. So you said there's this customer that taught you a lesson. So I, uh, when I started Edible Arrangements in the beginning, uh, a lady called me on the phone and, and she goes, uh, she, we had an arrangement called Delicious Celebration. It had cantaloupe, honeydew, strawberries, and grapes. And um, uh, so she calls me and she goes, uh, the cantaloupe in my arrangement didn't taste good. So, of course, I said, I'm so sorry. What would you like? You know, I can send you another arrangement. And she goes, no, no, well, that's unfair. Why would you send me another arrangement? Uh, I already ate the honeydew. I ate the pineapple. I ate the strawberries. Just the cantaloupe was bad. So, like, oh, I could give you some money back. She goes, well, no, that's unfair. Why would you give me money back? I enjoy part of the arrangement. So then uh, I'm at a loss for words. I'm like, well, what would you like me to do, ma'am? You know, uh, she goes, just send me one cantaloupe. <laughs> and uh, you know, so, and, and I said to her on the phone, back then AT&T used to have the commercials, reach out and touch someone. And I said, I wish I could reach out and hug you right now. You're so amazing for, you, you said something that is, I didn't expect. She goes, no, but that's fair that I ate everything else. The cantaloupe was bad. You want to do something, deliver me a cantaloupe. And she wouldn't take anything different from that. So I actually went to her house and delivered a cantaloupe. So... And that pretty much defined for me that never, ever question a customer after that because she was more than fair and she wanted to be. And that's what majority of the customers, if not all, that they just want, they, you know, they placed an order with you. They want to be treated right. They want to be taken care of. And she did not want to take it. Even though I was willing to give her her money back, I was willing to uh, replace it with a whole new arrangement. She's like, no, that's unfair. And that is how, how I've always found people that when I step up, a customer is always is more fair than I want to be to myself. If I say, I'll replace that, I'll refund all your money. Oh, no, no, you don't have to refund the whole money. Uh, just give me this back or do this for me or I'll call you next time and take care of it. But you have to own it. Right, you have right. to step up to the plate and say, I am so sorry we screwed up. And, and, you know, and how can I make it better? And another thing, you said that most customers aren't out to take advantage of you. And I think that too many businesses make rules that are focused around the tiny, tiny percentage of customers that really are out to try to take advantage or may try to beat your system, if you will. And, and you can't 
punish all the good people for the sins of just one or two or you know a small percentage because otherwise you're you're going to really destroy what your business is all about. So you That's I know right. probably have some amazing and with with what you've been talking about you use the words above and beyond you keep using the words wow. What's the best customer service story that you have at Edible Arrangements? Um, well, there, there's, there's so many, I mean, you know, I, I think, um, uh, that would probably, what I just shared with you would be something that I always share with my kids and I always share with everyone, in my company, whoever joins me to say, this is, this is what, you know, the, the great customer, the, this is what great customer services. We had a, a lady, um, in one of our stores, a young lady who works for us where a delivery got late and, um, you know, when the customer called her, this is without us having rules or anything. This is because we set up this culture. She went above and beyond at, at 8 p.m. and drove to an airport because the person was headed to an airport, drove to an airport to drop the arrangement off to her and everything. So there, there are a lot of these things where once you set this culture, your people will go above and beyond because they realize that this is the focus. It's really the customer. It's sharing with them that if that customer never came in, none of our paychecks would be possible. If that customer never came in and bought the product, all these things we enjoy wouldn't be possible. So people, you know, they, I'm always wowed what a lot of our people will do and, and above and how above and beyond they will go, be it on the holidays and doing deliveries late uh, if a customer calls. Um, another great example is, you know, a customer called late and said, I forgot Valentine's Day. Um, so one of our people made the arrangement and then put a note in there apologizing that, hey, we messed up and we're delivering your delivery late to you. Uh, we're so sorry for delivering it late and here's an extra box, even though it had nothing to do with us. So, so this store and this employee went above and beyond <laughs> one of our uh, fruit right. experts to make it look like it was our fault, not the husband's I fault. I love that. I love so that. I, That's I, I, yeah. it, it, It's great stuff, but the husband knows, but it goes a great to show that now, of course, you know, the, the, the person remembered and that's a customer for life. So those little things are very, very inspiring to see that the tradition is continuing. Right. I love that. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of stories that you can share. I'm sure there's probably some pretty sentimental stories as well because uh, there's happy that's occasions. Okay. There's even sad occasions. We are just about out of time. I always like to end the show by asking one final question and that is what I call the one thing question. Is there one thing that you've learned that you'd like to share with us? Or maybe there's something we've talked about that you just want to emphasize one last time. Um, I am, um, you know, I, I am more surprised than anyone else that, of what I've been able to achieve. And it's, I've been able to achieve it because I've listened to a few people along the way um, who may not have built great companies and great businesses, but they gave you very sincere advice on certain things. And then I held on to it. So I think surrounding yourself with people that, um, uh, that want to encourage you and, 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 and that you want to sit in the shadows of, and you want to learn from them and above and beyond that. Once you learn something, once you see something, never compromise on that standard. So 
even to this day, I spend most of my time reiterating these stories and these events with my people about great customer service, taking care of the customer, taking care of our franchisees, because if they did not buy from us and if they did not become our customers, we wouldn't be anywhere. So I think setting that culture, setting that standard, and then being fanatical and passionate about it uh, is very, very important. And then what you said earlier, it's, it's really the part that don't be in business to chase the money. You know, a lot of people will turn around. There are many reasons why you shouldn't spend any, any more money, but you need to go and and uh, uh, have a great business, work very, very hard. I worked very, very hard, and then you're, anybody can accomplish it, and I'm, I'm proof of that, that if uh, you work hard and you do the right thing, uh, the American dream is alive and well, and, and you can accomplish some great things. 1,200 stores, you know, 16 years, starting out at a 600-square-foot store in East Haven, Connecticut, um, you know, just making ends meet to now, uh, you know, we'll, we'll cross $550 million in sales. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Wow, $550 million. That's a half a billion. That's amazing. And you know what? This is why we call this Amazing Business Radio. Uh, Tarek, you have shared with us some outstanding lessons. Uh, we really focused, obviously, your, your company is the case study today, but all that you've learned and, and all that we can transfer to our businesses, the ideas of customer service, the fanaticism, the, the culture building, uh, the scaling it out and thinking as you're starting to grow, what can I do if somebody were to buy this, could they do it? The systems that you put into place. And of course, you know the training and ongoing training and making sure you have the right people in place. Lots of great lessons. Uh, Tarek, thank you so much for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Tarek Farid on Amazing Business Radio. My name's Shep Hyken, reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.